The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show. Sorry, just uh, texting with some uh, NFL insider people. Somebody caught wind of my proposed trade and is now sending it throughout the uh, throughout the community. And I'm getting text messages here, and uh, people are like, "You're crazy," <laughs> but hey, it's all right. I, you got to be provocative every now and then, right? Like I've just I'm I'm fed up with quarterbacks who put themselves first. And uh, I'm just going to be provocative, and I'm going to propose this trade. It's hour number two here at the Jeff Dean Show. You're listening on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. You can also listen live via the uh, live stream available on ESPNTucson.com. You can just go there and click just listen now, and uh, you can listen anywhere you have uh, an Alexa-enabled device or just, you know, Internet service that allows you to be able to listen with a speaker or whatever have you. All the technology is out there for us. Uh, it is 8.03 on your Tucson Tuesday. It is March 15th, and uh, we are gearing up for a big week of college basketball. Both men's and women's Wildcat teams in the tournament. Of course, we all know the men's team, the number one seed in the South region. We will be breaking down the South region. I'm going to do that tomorrow. I'm going to break down the South region tomorrow. There's just been a lot going on. Uh, and, look, there's going to be even more going on with the NFL tomorrow. Um, but I, I want to give – enough time to you know to this south region here so that arizona fans know what's coming and you know we're going to get to see our first round of games tonight the, you know the the, uh, the first four are going to be played tonight that's going to be um the texas southern and texas a&m cc game is going to be played tonight as is the uh, the wyoming indiana game that'll be a good one could be interesting to see what what that game looks like those are two teams that had very interesting seasons. Indiana was, God, were they a topsy-turvy team. They had losing record in the conference and yet had a nice run in their their Big Ten tournament, enough to get them into the play-in game. They were one of the last four teams in. So um, that'll, be a, uh, that'll be an interesting matchup there. And then, of course, the play-in games tomorrow, one of them affecting Arizona because Wright State is going to be taking on Bryant for the opportunity to play Arizona. Congratulations. And then the uh, Rutgers-Notre Dame game, which I think is also going to be fascinating. R- Notre Dame's one of those teams like, you know, Mike Bray's been there forever. Um, if they're making their three-pointers, they're unbeatable. If they're not, they'll lose by 30. So, so it could be an interesting uh, interesting game there as well. I think uh, maybe they didn't play each other this year. They seem like they would have, but I uh, maybe they didn't. I Maybe I'm thinking of last year when they played one another and it was like that triple overtime game. Anyway. Um, busy day of NFL week, day one essentially of the NFL free agency period. Um, I mentioned the Jaguars. Of course, they they made six signings yesterday, all pretty substantial in in changing the look and culture of that team and trying to build around Trevor Lawrence. They also added the NFL's leading tackler for the last two seasons, uh, Foye Olakun, the linebacker from uh, from the Atlanta Falcons. They got themselves a legit run stopper in Foley Fadukazi, and you know they got themselves some improvements. They got themselves some targets for Trevor Lawrence. Gave him some protection. They re-signed. Uh, they, they you know they tagged Cam Robinson. They re-signed another one of their offensive linemen. So they're you know they're they're loading up. They're trying to get themselves in a position where they can 
feature a great young quarterback, and I believe he is in Trevor Lawrence. I mentioned the Chargers before the break. J.C. Jackson, five years, $82.5 million. It gives that Charger defense even more strength. I mean, they are just – that team's loaded, man. Like, and, and they need to, right, because they've got very cap-friendly quarterback contract in Justin Herbert, who in two years about to get a Brinks truck backed up to his front door. So spend now. Try to win now because you're knocking on the door of being able to win now, and you have to if you want to keep up in the AFC West. So they drop a load of cash on J.C. Jackson, but look, he earned it. 22 interceptions over the last three seasons. That's number two in the NFL. 47 passes defended over the last three seasons. That's also number two in the NFL. So got themselves a really, really solid. I thought he was the best player available in this free agency, um, and, and and the Chargers got him. The Steelers signed Mitchell Trubisky. His mama named him Mitchell. I'm going to call him Mitchell. Signed him to a two-year deal. It sounds like he may be the front runner to be the starter in Pittsburgh over uh, Dwayne Haskins and uh, Mason Rudolph. Um, Cincy, the, the Bengals, lose tight end C.J. Uzuma to the New York Jets. He signed a three-year, $24 million deal. The Cardinals lose Chase Edmonds to Miami, but they were able to re-sign James Conner to a three-year, $21 million deal. And as I mentioned in hour number one, they did re-sign tight end Zach Ertz to a three-year, $31.6 million deal. 17 and a half of that is guaranteed. So Cardinals you know, doing, some, doing some things. Uh, the Cowboys just signed Randy Gregory. I think the no, the numbers five years, seventy million for Randy Gregory. So the Cowboys lock him up and uh, sign him after losing. You know they 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 got some of their defensive line back. They've lost a couple of their wide receivers. So uh, Dallas is going to be you know moving and shaking and a lot of things going on there as well. So we'll keep you apprised of anything else that comes out here that happens while we're on the air up until uh, nine a.m. If anything new happens, I will let you know, I promise. And then today, like t- tonight, tonight, tomorrow morning are going to be the bigger names, um, the bigger numbers for free agent deals. You know, Randy Gregory was a big piece. We were kind of waiting for that one to happen. Uh, but we're still waiting on Taron Armstead, the, the tackle from New Orleans. Where is Chandler Jones going to end up? Uh, what about Tyron Matthew, of course? I think Baltimore might be a good spot for him, um, you know, if – if you know Baltimore's looking for that type of a player, when they they should be, um, I think he's certainly you know in the play there. If they if Baltimore wants to go younger, they can look at Marcus Williams. He's a free agent from New Orleans, of course, uh, young player there. Where are the linebackers, Von Miller and Bobby Wagner, going to sign? Because you know you got Von Miller, who's you know, went to Los Angeles on the you know on the in the, in the you know essentially the mid year deal there, wins the championship. After the season, starts saying that you know he's flirting with Denver again. Like I'd uh, love, love to go back home, and it's, Denver hasn't exactly like run out of their building with you know a contract in hand saying, "Come on, get it." You know, it's they've been pretty quiet on that. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see where Von Miller ends up. Um, I know that one team that's been quiet, and I'm not exactly sure. Why, or if they don't have money to spend, I, th- I think that they should have some. But a team that's been really quiet that has – they're so close is the Buffalo Bills. Like, what are the Bills doing? It'll be interesting to see what the Buffalo Bills end up doing in this free agency. Maybe they're looking to get, you know, a big splash. I mean, because so far, um, if I'm looking at the Buffalo Bills, where are they? There they are. 
I mean, they re-signed Jake Kumaro, wide receiver. They re-signed Isaiah McKenzie, wide receiver. Uh, they re-signed Roger Saffold, offensive guard. Uh, their center, they signed uh, Mitch Morse. Um, they did sign Tim Settle, defensive tackle, uh, and they re-signed a corner. Like, they nothing real big. <laughs> so, Buffalo may be in the play for I, – I think it's going to be Bobby Wagner, personally, because he's another big name that's out there, and he's not a guy that's going to play every down. Okay, But Buffalo doesn't need that. They need specialists out there because Buffalo plays really solid defense throughout the series, uh, you know, on defense, but they just need – they need something like a big playmaker that can just stop drives because that's the one thing that Buffalo had problems with last year was not necessarily getting teams off the field, but making a big play that forces teams into situations where they have to get off the field, if that makes any sense. <laughs> I watched a lot of Buffalo football last year. My buddy's a Buffalo fan, and uh, we would always you know, hang out and watch the games together, and, as well as the other ones. But he would always we would always have the Buffalo game on. Um, another signing, Teddy Bridgewater. This morning, I think it happened. Late last night or this morning, Teddy Bridgewater signed a one-year deal, uh, fully guaranteed $6.5 million for, uh, with the uh, Miami Dolphins. So the Miami Dolphins making some moves as well. They got Chase Edmonds. They signed Cedric Wilson away from the Dallas Cowboys. So there's uh, plenty of stuff going on in the NFL, and bigger, bigger names going to be um, you know, moving on tonight, tomorrow morning. We're still waiting on where Allen Robinson's going to end up, talented wide receiver from the Chicago Bears. Um, I'm now hearing that uh, that Cleveland may be interested in Deshaun Watson. Woo, that could make things interesting. Again, you have a childish quarterback in Baker Mayfield, and now Baker hasn't been. In a, it, Baker's not the. He's not been like the you know the Kyler Murray, the Aaron Rodgers type. Like I want to be paid like the top quarterback. He was a couple of years ago, and the Browns foolishly went down that path with him. But since then, he has made some adjustments. He's given some money back to the organization, some restructures, and I give him credit for that. He's matured a little bit, but he's still not a very good quarterback is the problem. So if you're looking to upgrade, uh, which I think the Cleveland Browns are, would, would be and should be looking to upgrade, Deshaun Watson may be a, a, you know, a great spot. Would the, would the Houston Texans take Baker Mayfield in a trade? I mean, these, Houston Texans hold a major piece. They're asking for three firsts and three seconds. For, for Deshaun Watson. That's a lot. But when you consider what Denver gave up for what, 35-year-old Russell Wilson, well, maybe not so. You know, maybe, it's, maybe it's not so out, you know, far-fetched that they're asking for three firsts and three seconds. Like, as I mentioned, before the whole Deshaun Watson thing happened, before he was benched and you know, basically you know, sent away from, you know, from Houston's uh, facility there, we were talking about him as if he were the third best quarterback in the league. Like this was before the emergence of Josh Allen. We always knew that Josh Allen had the potential, just needed to emerge into that star player. He's done that, obviously. Patrick Mahomes hadn't separated himself yet, which he do- has done in you know the time that Deshaun Watson has been off the field. But who knows what Deshaun Watson would have done if he were, you know, if 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 he were still on the field playing. So, and here's another thing. Deshaun if the Cardinals traded Kyler Murray for Deshaun Watson, I didn't even think about this. I didn't even write this down in my notes of, of the reasons why the Cardinals should do this. This would also reunite DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson. They have a very, very good relationship. 
Just another thought there. I'm getting text messages. My phone is going crazy right now. <laughs> what is going on here? Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's not concrete information here, but apparently there has been some discussions in the Cardinals organization, uh, not necessarily about Deshaun Watson, but they, they, they're looking to add a major piece. So keep an eye on that. All right. Let's talk some uh, let's talk some college basketball. Obviously, it is the reason for the season. It's March. It's March Madness. The basketball brackets are out. Men's and women's brackets are out. Women's Wildcat team going to be hosting this weekend. Buy your tickets to the McHale Center to go see them. There's only a few thousand tickets remaining for uh for for Saturday's game against UNLV. So, uh get online, get on to uh arizonawildcats.com/wbb, um, uh, I believe it is, or wbk. Anyway, just t- tap on women's basketball, and uh, you'll be able to find. I'm sure they have it right up there on the, on the main page. You can, uh, you can get your tickets there. The men's team in the South region, they're going to be playing the winner of the Wright State-Bryant game, and then after that, they'll be playing the winner of the TCU-Seton Hall game. I, I'm not sold on whom I'm going to be picking yet in that, in that particular matchup. I think I'm going to go with the team from the tougher conference, which obviously is TCU. The Big 12 was really, really good this year. And I, I, I just I feel like, you know, TCU with Jamie Dixon and their style, I think they can grind one out against Seton Hall. That's gonna be, it'll be it's gonna be a tough game. But I think that I, I think I would pick TCU probably in a really, really close game, like a you know, sixty one fifty nine type affair, situation like that. And then in the upper portion of that bracket, you've got Along with Arizona, you've got Houston, UAB, Illinois, and Chattanooga. Illinois should dispatch of Chattanooga. They have the pieces and the athletes to be able to do it. Um, obviously, with Kofi Coburn, and Chattanooga doesn't have anybody that can contend with that load. So that should be a, a situation where they can feature Kofi early and often. As long as he doesn't get in foul trouble, then Illinois should be able to cruise to a victory there against Chattanooga. The Mocs are a good team, and they're you know they're fun. Uh, but they're going to be one and done, in my opinion. Illinois is a much better team uh, than Chattanooga is. The Houston UAB matchup. I know people think that Houston was slighted by given the you know, being given the five seed. Their net ranking is good. Their Ken Palm ranking is good. But you also look at it and you're like, who have they beaten? They haven't really dazzled anyone with a you know an incredible display of of you know moxie and and grit in beating teams that they were not favored against. They, they just, they didn't, you know, they lost five games this year. Um, a lot of them were just games that it weren't, weren't huge upsets, but nonetheless, uh, games that they probably could have, should have won. They lost to Memphis a couple of times this year, finally beat them in the, uh, in the conference tournament. But nonetheless, Houston sitting there at 29 and five at a five seed, a scary team because of their style and their athletes. I'm not so sure. I mean, people are kind of, off of the Houston bandwagon right now. Last year, people were on that Houston bandwagon, and rightfully so. They were, I mean, they're a solid team. They made a solid run two uh, two seasons prior, um, the season before COVID, um, and then last year also had a good year as well. But I think people are cooling on them. I've seen a lot of quote unquote experts picking that Arizona Illinois matchup in uh, in San Antonio and picking Illinois to win that game. Look, Arizona already went into Champaign had all kinds of travel issues, and still won that game. And that was before, in my opinion, that was before this Arizona team 
really found themselves. You know, and that's the one thing that people are forgetting about with this with this Wildcat team is that experience-wise, they were the second youngest team, this, the, the, the second least experienced team in the country this year. So to go into Champaign early on in the season when you only have, you know, 10 games under your belt, to go into that hostile situation against a really, I mean, a veteran team. Kofi's been there for five years. You got Trent Frazier, who's been there for four years. Uh, now, they didn't have um, uh, their their point guard, the, the kid with the big hair. Uh, I always call him Cumberbund, but I can't remember what his name is. Anyway, uh, Cabello. They didn't have they didn't have uh, Cabello because he had a he had a concussion, so that's a big difference. But he's also, if you watch him, he's a turnover machine. Um, so I, I think that a rematch between Arizona and Illinois on a neutral court would just be that much more in favor of Arizona, because Arizona's now playing like the team that they were destined to be. And Sean Miller said in his uh, in the on a, on a podcast yesterday that he was with um, on with his uh, with his brother Archie. Um, in the uh, I think it was, I think it's a Field of sixty eight podcast. He said that uh, that Arizona the 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 facing of the adversity with the injury to Kirk Risa was going to be a character builder was going to be a good thing for them because all year long they were able to win games just by being the best athletes having the best system the best shooters you know the shot blockers playing great defense and all that stuff. They were able to win games rather easily. They did have a couple of hiccups here and there. Had a tough game against Tennessee where they beat themselves. Tennessee did not beat Arizona. Arizona beat themselves. And the officials uh, beat Arizona that night. And and let's not forget about that either. Everybody in the country was tweeting about that, about how horribly that game was officiated. People forget about that. Um, but, you know, Arizona had two two stinkers on the road in conference that they avenged. One of them they avenged twice, and the other one of the one of the uh, the the games was without their starting point guard for a championship in the Pac-12 tournament. So this team has proven themselves in many many ways, and they've proven that they're the, if not the best team in the country, one of the two best teams in the country. Because I think most people would argue that Arizona and or Gonzaga are the best team in the country. Gonzaga twenty six and three the number one overall seed. They're going to be hanging out in the West. They're going to be playing in Portland um, for the first, uh, you know, for the first weekend. And, you know, they'll be, they'll be, you know, pretty comfortable. They've got a second, a potential second round matchup between the winner of the Boise State Memphis game, which I think will be a sneaky good game uh, in this tournament as well. If, if you look at it, if you look at all the reasons why you have Arizona winning, if you, if, you're, if you have them winning the championship and cutting down the nets, there's a lot of good reasons why. I mean, Sean Miller said in that podcast he's, he believes that Arizona is going to go to the Final Four this year for, for, you know, for a numerous multitude of reasons, not just because of their talent, uh, their coaching, you know, and all those other things. It's for things that, you know, that, that are diff, a little more difficult to quantify. Well, you know, put it that way. You know, the – the you know the 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 ability to overcome adversity, uh, the the blending of these young men who have never played before essentially together or, or very very rarely um, into a more consistent team, and that's what he talked about. 
Sean said that the Cats are the most consistent team in the country. And he's not wrong. I mean, you look at how they've played outside of Gonzaga, and Gonzaga has been extremely consistent in, again, people would consider their conference a less lesser conference. However, I challenge you to put the West Coast Conference up against the Pac-12 this year, and I think you'd find that it's a lot more competitive in that West Coast Conference of WCC than we give it credit for. There's some really good teams there. St. Mary's a really good team. San Francisco's a really good team. I think they're uh, as a 10 seed. San Francisco is a 10 seed to me. Is Both of those, in that first round matchup, the Murray State-San Francisco matchup, the 7-10, those teams could easily have been slated at least one slot higher. Like San Francisco could have been a 9 or an 8 seed, and Murray State probably should have been given a 6 seed. But neither here nor there. It's, it's, it's a good conference. And Gonzaga, for the most part, skated through it, didn't really have much trouble in getting through the WCC. They're, they're a much better team than, uh, than just about everybody else, but it's a very competitive league, a league that's not going to send a whole lot of guys to the NBA like the Pac-12 will. I mean, eventually, these guys that are playing in the Pac-12 right now, will, a lot of them will make their way to the NBA. UCLA has three of them, four of them, for that matter. Four guys on that, on that UCLA team that are going to be playing in the league. Guarantee. I guarantee they're going to be in the league. At least four of them. Oregon's got guys that are going to play in the league. Washington, maybe, <laughs> has a guy that's going to play in the league. USC's got a couple of guys that are going to play in the league. So that's, they have that over the WCC in that aspect, more overall talent. They're good teams in the WCC. So I'm not trying to take anything away from Gonzaga. But I agree with Sean that Arizona is the most consistent team in the country. And he said that the best thing to happen to Arizona the past week is that they had to overcome adversity because he said, end quote, they've had pretty smooth sailings when it comes to COVID-19, which we did, right? Arizona got through that thing scot-free for two years. Two years, Arizona basketball, zero men's basketball, zero COVID cases, zero reasons to postpone or cancel games on our part. He said they've also had smooth things when it comes to injuries. Now, Azulis Tabellis, of course, you know, gets injured in the Stanford game, but he he wasn't out long, right? He had the, the small ankle injury. He was out for a little bit, didn't play as himself for a couple of weeks, but he was still out there. Uh, and now they get hit with the Kirkresa injury, which looked nasty. Again, I saw it on Twitter again yesterday. I was like, oof, that's brutal. Uh, but Sean Miller said how they responded says it all. He says it gives them a renewed sense of confidence, and I like Arizona getting to the Final Four. And Sean echoed something that I've been saying about this team all year long. He said those guys play for each other. He's right. They do play for each other. You see them on the floor, on the court. I have not, I have not had a chance to watch them practice. I imagine their practices are very similar to the way that they conduct their business while the clock is running. They play for one another. They are a very close-knit group. And I feel like Justin Kyer has been a huge piece of that. He's been a, a real galvanizing piece of, for, this, for this team and this roster. And they're good enough to win the championship. I, I, I did not think I would be saying that this year. But looking at it right now, I mean, they're the favorite. Right, I mean, they, they and Gonzaga are the favorites to cut down the nets, and most of the quote-unquote experts out there have an Arizona versus Gonzaga final. Oh, what a day that would be. We'll find out. 
Got a couple weeks to go, but it all starts Friday for the Arizona men's team at 4.30 as they'll take on the winner of the Wright State Bryant game. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, who's on upset alert in round one of the men's tournament? That's next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on a Tuesday in Tucson. The March Brackets that we got going on, the March Bracket Contest. Why is my computer doing this? What is happening here? (laughs) My computer's very upset, apparently, about my uh, wanting to trade Kyler Murray for uh, Deshaun Watson. But it's the uh, Tucson Appliance Company March Brackets Challenge. If you have the best bracket, and uh, you may, because I'm not uh, allowed to, to enter my bracket into this contest. There are chances to win prizes from Tucson Appliance Company and Corona. Go to ESPNTucson.com. It's right there on the front page. Click on Enter Now. Fill out your bracket and uh, do it. Make sure you do it before the first game tips off. No cheaters now. Don't be waiting until you see some scores coming in. And uh, you get those in before uh, Thursday at 9 a.m., you're good to go. 18 or older. Uh, must be 18 years or older, of course. There's all, there are some rules involved in that. But just go to ESPNTucson.com, and uh, we can answer all your questions there. Third place prize is a $100 uh, Visa gift card. Second place is a Corona prize pack, which includes a 40-quart Grizzly cooler, a Corona patio umbrella, and a $50 Visa gift card. And the grand prize is a $500 Visa gift card. It can all be yours if you can uh, enter your bracket, and if it's the number one bracket in the contest, good luck. Something that will help you in filling out those brackets. Which teams are on upset alert in round number one in the opening day of games coming up Thursday and Friday. Let's look at one game, and I've got this game circled because I just, this team scares the bejesus out of me because of just how ridiculously good they shoot the ball. Providence got themselves a four seed, and they're probably feeling pretty good about themselves. They're like, yep, we got a four seed, we've earned that. And you get to play South Dakota State in the first round. 13 seed South Dakota State. What are South Dakota State? Well, uh, the Jackrabbits, they went undefeated in the Summit League, undefeated and pretty much untested. I think the only team in that league that even came close to them was like Oral Roberts. Uh, They beat everybody else by like 30 points. Um, They went undefeated in the Summit Summit League. They're the second highest scoring team in the country. They are the number one three-point shooting team in the country. They shoot 44%, above 44% from three. Like, That's crazy. They're also the number one effective field goal percentage shooting team in the country. 59.7% is, that's number one in the country. Basically, they're the best shooting team in the country. Good luck. That's all I got to say. Oh, also, they have a big man who likes to block shots. So trying to, you know, get inside on them and, and, you know, pound them inside not exactly the uh, the greatest thing. I mean, they're, 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 again, their big man is like six eight, but is a good is an accomplished shot blocker. Um, they also have very active guards uh, who like to steal the ball. They were number four in the country in steals. So, uh, yeah, no thanks. I don't want to play that team. Like I, a team like that that is just running scrappy, 
you know, high octane, shooting lots of volume threes. They got shooters all over the place. Absolutely not. No thank you. And for a team like Providence, who had to kind of slog through the, you know, their conference and, uh, you know, get through the, the, you know, the gauntlet that, you know, that was, I I just, I I don't like the matchup for Providence there. So I've got Providence on upset alert. That's that 13-4 that, you know, that, that could happen. Now, again, if you're looking at, if you're looking at the overall records, okay, let's go through them. There have been 144 games played um, in in the men's tournament in the in the round of 64. Okay, 144 games. In 144 games, the the one seed is 143 and one. Obviously, we know the one. The two seed is 135 and nine. So nine times a 15 seed has upset a two seed. The three seed is 122 and 22. So it's only been 22 times that a 14 seed has upset a 3 seed. We're familiar with a couple of those. Now the 413 is an interesting one because it's been 31 times that a 13 seed has upset a 4 seed. 31 times. Now we're starting to get into the realm of it's it's you know it's not just a plausibility, it's a possibility at this point. Uh, I, I like South Dakota State. I like the Jackrabbits. There's another 13 seed I like as well, the Catamounts. I like Vermont uh, against Arkansas. Arkansas played a really tough schedule this year. And, yes, they're coming out of the SEC, which many people believe was the best conference in basketball this season, and it probably was. Vermont is a difficult team to play. They are just – they're well-built. They're experienced. They've played together for a long time. They got a big man who's ridiculously efficient on both ends of the floor, and they can also shoot. And they've got an interesting style that they play as well. That's a tough matchup for Arkansas. I think Vermont. I think Vermont was going to win their first game regardless of who they played, and I like them against Arkansas even more. So there's a couple of four seeds that are on upset alert. Those are the big ones. Like. To have two 13 seeds win in the same season would be a real stretch. So I would maybe just pick one 13 seed if you really are wanting to pick a 13 seed as an upset. But I love Vermont. I really like South Dakota State too. God, am I going to pick two 13 seeds? I wouldn't be that crazy. I might be. All right. I've got some other ideas on some teams who are on upset alert in round number one. I'll tell you about those next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. You know, no sooner than I say picking two 13 seeds in the same tournament would be crazy. And then I happen to bring up the... uh, the history of the 13 seed and notice that it's happened not once, but twice in the last three tournaments, 2018 tournament Marshall, the 13 seed defeated Wichita state, the four seed. We all know what happened in the other 13, four matchup. Uh, Deandre Ayton and the Arizona Wildcats didn't show up for their game against Buffalo and got waxed. Buffalo beat them by, by 20 in that game. And then, the 2019 tournament, uh, UC Irvine beat Kansas State as a 13 over a 4. Then the COVID year, no tournament. And then last year, North Texas beat Purdue in overtime in a 13-4 in a game. And Ohio beat Virginia in a 13-4 game. So 
it's happened twice in the last three tournaments. So maybe it's not such a tall order to to pick two 13 seeds. I, I, I mean, I, I'm I I love them both. I really do. I actually kind of like South Dakota State to win two games. We'll talk about that coming up uh, once we get into the uh, the second round, uh, or at least after Thursday. We'll probably talk about it a little bit on Friday. Now, other teams that I think should be on upset alert right now, and I don't even know if this is going to be considered an upset because Loyola Chicago might already be favored in their game against Ohio State. So it might not even be an upset. That's a, that's a, uh, that's a 10-7 matchup, and Ohio State has been incredibly inconsistent all year long, and we all love the Ramblers. I mean, they, look, they, they've, they've been the model of mayhem in each of the last two tournaments uh, in the first round, and we love watching Loyola Chicago play. Um, they've got four four starters that are seniors they're they're the top four top scorers are all seniors they've all been playing together forever uh that's gonna be a tough team I, I, again ohio state's a seven seed but i think loyola chicago might actually be favored in that game i haven't looked at the odds yet but I, that may not even be an upset if you're just talking about seeding wise sure pick loyola chicago all day long uh for an upset because ohio state i, I don't think they're long for this tournament to be honest with you now there's two other matchups that I find very interesting in in picking these these particular upsets. One of them is Texas Virginia Tech. Texas the sixth seed, Virginia Tech the eleventh seed. Virginia Tech winning the ACC tournament, right? I mean they knocked Duke out. I mean they they've got athletes galore, and they've been incredibly inconsistent all season long. But an eleven seed coming out of the ACC like that. It tells you that they would not have been invited to this tournament had they not gotten the AQ bid for winning the ACC. But in getting there, they had to beat some pretty darn good programs on the way. So, and you look at you look at what Texas has done this year, and you know Chris Beard going back to his alma mater. We know that they're going to play great defense. That's what Chris Beard does. He packs the lane, no easy buckets. You know he he's, he, uh, he teaches a tenacious style of defense. And they've had some problems with personnel. They've also had problems where they will go, I mean, they, that team will go seven or eight minutes without scoring a single point because they're not great at attacking the rim. So when they are struggling to shoot the ball, they don't have that go-to guy that can just attack the rim. And even if he misses, you know, pick up fouls and stuff, they're not, they're not going to shoot a ton of free throws. So they're a team that just struggles to score, period. And with Virginia Tech's athletes and their ability to get out on the open floor and, and play in the transition game, if they can get out and keep Texas from setting up that great defense, then Vontech's going to have a heyday. I mean, I could see blowout city in that game. I really could. I could see if if things go wrong, and if, look, if, if and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. I get it. But Virginia Tech... If they can get on the open floor, if they can get some transition buckets, if they score 15, 16, 18 points in transition, we're probably looking at a 15 to 20 point win. I just, that's kind of what I see in that. I, I think Texas is a little overvalued. I think Vatek is a little undervalued. Those two teams are a little bit closer, maybe more like an 8 9 matchup than an 11 6 matchup. I like the Hokies. And in another 11 6 matchup, I don't know what to make of LSU. They fire their head coach. Wade Miller's gone, right? So they fire the head coach. Uh, they, they've. I, I'm not exactly sure 
what is you know is exactly going on you know with the head coaching situation what the mindset of the team is now that they lose if i say wait we'll sorry i get i get names of athletes mixed up when i'm just riffing here regardless they lose their head coach he's been fired rightfully so all kinds of allegations against that program they've got proof that he was on the phone with recruits offering uh, offering you know benefits and things like that that he shouldn't have been doing. They're playing Iowa State. Iowa State, the probably the single most boring team in the country. However, sometimes boring can be really really advantageous for you, especially in the tournament because it's you know the style makes the fight, right? I mean it it's all about uh, you know style, uh, you know in, in boxing and in, in the in the NCAA tournament, styles make fights. Uh, and Styles make the game, and they make the game more difficult for teams that want to push the ball. LSU, again, they they are a good defensive team, but when you play a team like Iowa State, who just they almost act like they don't have any like any interest in scoring the basketball. Like there are times where they're just dribbling until there's like eight seconds left on the clock, and then they run a play. Like uh, I guess time is running out. We should probably run a play now. They were. 233rd in the country in pace this year. They were 200th in the country in average time of possession as far as like the length of their offensive possessions. Now, they, their adjusted defense is, is good because of the slowdown style. They, they prefer to spend all of their energy on defense. They played a lot of close games this year. They've been used to that. They got blown out by Texas Tech in the Big 12 tournament. Texas Tech just had their way with them. But that's kind of been the way with Iowa State this year. Like when they when they can't score, obviously when they can't score, they're not going to win. But like there are times like they scored thirty six points against Oklahoma State in a forty minute game. <laughs> like that's the kind of stuff you get out of Iowa State. You're playing a team that doesn't have their coach, just fired their coach, all kinds of turmoil. Players may be quitting on the team. I think that's just ripe for the picking. And of course, I'll have egg on my face. Come I don't know whether they play Thursday or Friday. LSU will probably win that game by eighteen. And I'll be like, oh, Iowa State all day, man. No, sorry. That's, you know, talent wins out still. And, look, Iowa State coming out of the Big 12 is a nice thing. LSU came out of the SEC, the two of the top conferences in the uh, in the country this year. Iowa State 20-12. and 12. Uh, They beat Oregon State this year. Who didn't? They beat Xavier. They beat Memphis. They beat Creighton. They beat Iowa this year. They beat Iowa by 20 this year. Iowa's a really good team. Again, you know, this is a team, some of their wins, they beat Texas Tech, they beat Texas, they beat OSU, they beat TCU, they beat West Virginia, they lost Oklahoma. They also lost to all of those teams. <laughs> so it's like, what, what, what do we make of Iowa State? I'm, I'm more or less betting against LSU in this situation. I'm saying that LSU doesn't, they, they're just not meant for this. They're, this is not their year. In the turn, They'd probably rather not be in the tournament right now uh, and just licking their wounds and trying to figure out what they're going to do for their head coach, uh, the new head coach there. So I like Iowa State. So there's my teams on upset alert right now. I've got Providence on upset alert as a four seed, Arkansas as a four seed uh, on, on upset alert, Texas as a six seed on upset alert, LSU on upset alert, and if it's even considered an upset, seven seed Ohio State on upset alert versus Loyola Chicago, the 10 seed. But I, I honestly think that Loyola might. They, they might be even be favored right now. Uh, probably not by a lot, but it might be favored. If you're looking at other upsets and, you know, where to 
where to kind of make hay in your in your bracket to try to you know everybody likes to pick upsets, right? You know, I mentioned that thirty-one times the thirteen seed has beat the four seed, fifty-one times the twelve seed has beat the five seed, fifty-four times the eleven seed has beat the six seed, and fifty-seven times the ten seed has beat the seven seed. All of those are right around that, you know, thirty-five to forty percent uh, winning percentage. However, the nine does own the uh, does own the edge over the eight seed. They're seventy-three and seventy-one all time. So that's an interesting little tidbit there. So if you're going to bet nines, you're I mean you're going to be on history's side. So if you're looking at nines, you got Memphis. They're a nine against Boise State. Interesting matchup there. Marquette against North Carolina. Marquette been a, 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 an interesting team all year, and so is North Carolina. They're they can win by 30 or lose by 30. Seemed to be the, the case with a lot of ACC teams this year. The other 9-8, you got TCU Seton Hall in Arizona's bracket. And then the other, uh, the final one is Creighton San Diego State, which I think is going to be a fantastic game. Um, both good, pro, good, solid basketball programs, well coached. Um, should be an interesting one there. So there you go. Those are my upset alerts for round one. Take from that what you will. Obviously, everyone's going to be filling out their brackets. I can't wait to see them and uh, see how the contest right here on ESPN Tucson plays out and uh, just you know, see some bragging rights on the, on the old Twitter there. See if, uh, you know, post your, post your, your uh, bracket once you get it up there. I want to see them, see how they compare and see how many of our fans are picking Arizona to cut down the nets. That'll be interesting too. I'll, of course, unveil my bracket tomorrow as uh, tomorrow will be Wednesday and uh, leading into Wednesday. Because remember, Thursday and Friday we only have a one-hour show. Just on the air from 7 to 8 because ESPN is your home for March Madness, and we'll be turning over to the Madness at 8 a.m. sharp both Thursday and Friday. All right, when I return, I'll put a big, bright red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Oh, we have a new potential player in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, or not sweepstakes, but trade rumors or whatever. It is not the Arizona Cardinals. (laughs) It is, in fact, the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, boy. Okay, that got... See, that's an interesting one because I got Matt Ryan under that huge balloon contract that he's under right now. So it'll be interesting to see what comes about of that. Um, you know, I mean, obviously Houston could do worse than having Matt Ryan as their starting quarterback for the next couple of years. Obviously would need to restructure and make it more cap friendly, but nonetheless, could happen. So Deshaun Watson, look, can't say enough about how important he is as a piece of, to this whole puzzle of the NFL offseason. It's going to be huge. In NBA action tonight, the Suns going to be taking on the Pelicans. That is going to be uh, – you know, the Suns are on the road, as I mentioned. You know, they're going to be um, – in New Orleans, they're going to be on the road for a little bit. Um, but nonetheless, should be, a, uh, should be a good game tonight. We'll see if they can continue their winning ways um, in the in the association, it looks like the Lakers maybe have given up. I don't know. They scored 12 points in the first quarter last night against the Raptors, and LeBron James was screaming at his teammates on the floor. And it's not a good look. Like it's basically just a one man band, and I'm here for it because that's the that's the team that LBJ wanted to put together. 
That's the team that he said, I'm going to play GM again and force my organization to do what I want them to do. And once again, he will not be winning a championship this year. And the door may be closed forever now on LeBron James, unless he completely changes his ways, which is not going to happen. A leopard never changes its spots, right? This whole anointing him the greatest of all time, still not. I'm still not buying it. Still not buying it. There's still a discussion to be made there. He's certainly the best player of the recent era, in the last 15, 20 years. But there's a discussion to be made there. The uh, tune into the first four. That'll be tonight, right here on ESPN Tucson at 3:30, and tomorrow at 3:30 as well. So Spears and Ali not going to be uh, doing their show. Or maybe just for half an hour. Maybe they'll be doing it for half an hour, I guess. But uh, regardless, stay tuned here to ESPN for all your needs. We'll see you guys again tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Thanks to Mary back in the studio for all her work. You guys have a great day. Stay tuned to ESPN Tucson, and I'll see you guys tomorrow on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to The Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.